Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend, Chapter 18. Filthy Henry had opted not to run off and get a ladder in order to climb up and get Cahill. Some people would have wondered at this course of action, given that the man was unconscious and stuck up a tree. But not everyone was a fairy detective. Plus, Filthy Henry did not want to waste time going back to the house to search for a ladder. Something about Cahill's home suggested that any ladders had long since been left to rot or sold for drink money. Instead, the fairy detective decided to get Cahill down from his perch using a little magic. He raised up both hands, aimed his palms towards the slumbering man and concentrated. Air, will you go shears? Filthy Henry said, channeling some magic into his spell. Around Cahill, the leaves started to shake and flutter, while branches began to sway from side to side. In a matter of seconds, there was a small windstorm located completely in the boughs of a single tree. A storm precisely surrounding Cahill and the silver hurley stick. With a gesture of his hands, the fairy detective directed the spell, causing the bubble of air to lift Cahill off the branch. The swirling currents moving the unconscious man's lanky hair wildly about. Once clear of the branch, Filthy Henry moved his hands down, pointing to the ground. Cahill gently floated through the air, the hurley stick right beside him, until he was a few inches above the grass and dirt. Then the spell dissipated and dropped him. He landed with a soft thud, face first into the ground. The hurley stick dropped near him. Could you not have lowered him the entire way? Shelley asked, walking over to Cahill and kneeling down beside him. Filthy Henry watched her carefully check Cahill's pulse. I could have but that requires more magic than I'm willing to spend on some moron who goes running about the place with an artefact and no training. Shelley shook her head. She moved her fingers along Cahill's neck, waited a few seconds, then looked over at the fairy detective. He's alive at least. Although, that wouldn't really be a big problem for you if he wasn't, would it? You've ways around that sort of thing, right? There are ways of saying certain sentences that make the meaning perfectly clear. Tones that leave nothing up to question, create no ambiguity on the topic. Filthy Henry knew right then that Shelley wanted to have a conversation about something he was only too happy to ignore until she died of old age. He considered how to magically stop Shelley from asking the question he had no intentions of answering. A simple mind wipe and Shelley would go back to her life of painting and talking to cats, none the wiser as to the world around her. The fairy detective gave this idea some serious consideration. Anything would be better than having to explain to your friend how they had died and were brought back to life. Talks like that tended to give people messiah complexes for some strange reason. The itch around his right wrist intensified slightly at that moment. No way it's that sensitive, Filthy Henry said to himself. Are you going to come over here and help me carry him back to the house or what? Shelley asked. She took her scarf off from around her neck and wrapped her left hand in it. Using this covered hand, 
Shelley slowly reached out to the stick. Nothing explosive or unexpected happened as she gingerly rested her hand on the handle of the hurley. She picked it up and let out a sigh of relief. So it must be skin to metal contact that causes it to happen, she said, staring at Filthy Henry. The fairy detective walked over, avoiding eye contact with Shelley and took hold of Cahill under his right arm. With a fart and a grunt, he dragged Cahill up high enough for Shelley to loop her arm under the unconscious man's left arm. Together they started to walk through the forest, dragging Cahill along with them and leaving two tiny trails in their wake as his feet scraped along the forest floor. That Shelley had decided to wrap her hand before touching the hurdy stick was bad. It was a clear sign that she knew a lot about her resurrection. Why do you think we have the wrong person? Shelley asked. Filthy Henry nodded behind them, glad that she had changed her topic of inquiry. That whole area of destruction back there. Sort of a big hint that the wrong person is holding the artefact. Although at least we know it's an actual artefact, I guess, and not some fancy trophy. Shelley grunted as she shifted the dead weight that was Cahill, grabbing a hold of his collar with her hand. But I thought you said that an artefact can't be used by just anybody. Almost as if they're alive and know who should wield them. So doesn't that mean he's finally figured out how to make it work? I mean, the legend can't be 100% accurate. Maybe Cucullin really did shoot a magic beam out of it. Filthy Henry slowly shook his head. Nope. That hurdy stick should turn the champion into a muscle-bound warrior. That could lift an elephant with one hand. The fact that Cahill basically blew up some trees means he isn't the person we're looking for. But how can you be so sure? We were only given him one name and it's his. How can you not be who we're looking for? The fairy detective lifted Cahill a little higher, taking a firm grip under the arm and thought about their current situation. Artifacts only worked for the person that they were destined for. That was a solid fact. Nobody had ever managed to get one to do anything in the wrong hands. Fairies had tried for centuries to no avail. Some had even tricked humans into attempting it. Normal people who'd been selected based on years of research by the fairy folk. Still, all their efforts had come up empty and unsuccessful. The artifacts either did nothing at all, or kicked in with their protection magic, and gave a solid indication that any further attempts would end in equally painful ways. They knew, insofar as an inanimate object can know things, when and whom they had to work for, and would not be used otherwise. Yet Cahill had managed to get something to happen. There was no denying it, just not the something that the fairy detective had expected. Which, in the grand scheme of things, did not change matters at all that much. They had still not unlocked the weapon correctly, and their hero, as it turned out, was most likely the wrong guy. With time moving forward, as time generally did, this development did not bode well for the upcoming fight, meaning they had less than two days to come up with a plan that ensured Cahill lived to see another day, while also defeating the resurrected evil queen of the Celts. They walked on in silence, dragging Cahill along for another few minutes. Filthy Henry caught Shelley looking at him from the corner of his eye, glances and squints that indicated she was thinking carefully about how to phrase her next sentence. Henry, Shelley said. Hmm? Filthy Henry replied, staring ahead at the lights from Cahill's house. Just be honest with me, okay? Tell me what happened on Grafton Street. 
the fair detective's right forearm started to tingle. Worse than before. It was like the dozen invisible needles had grown hot. Bunty Dooley's spell was kicking in fully. A spell that, judging from the initial effects, was not going to be an enjoyable experience. It was already taking a great amount of mental effort to ignore the pain it currently caused. Still, Filthy Henry was not going to let a little thing like honesty get in the way of preventing his associate from learning the truth. Oh, well, I got superpowered somehow. Keep meaning to look into it properly, and pummeled Stoker into the ground. Then set fire to him, despite being asked not to by the leprechauns. You know me, I never do as I'm asked. The last bit was a little risky, though, as I was running very low on magic at that stage. She flung the hurley stick into a nearby bush and let go of Cahill. Filthy Henry lost his grip and Cahill fell face first into the ground. He lay sprawled at their feet, while Shelley frowned and crossed her arms. You know that's not what I'm talking about. You said Stoker knocked me out. I want to hear, from you, what exactly happened. Pain shot through Filthy Henry's arm as the spell tightened around his skin. It was not a gradual increase. Level one of the spell had been a pleasant sensation in comparison. The very detective tried to keep the pain from showing on his face. He knelt down and rolled Cahill over, wiping some wet leaves from the man's forehead. Filthy Henry could see Shelley tapping her left foot, waiting for him to speak. He took a deep breath and tried to figure out the best lie that would still appease Bunty Dooley's spell. The sea had said that the truth would be needed to release the magic. Each time Shelley asked the question, without getting her desired answer, the spell would tighten. But there were always degrees of truth. Filthy Henry knew this. You could say something and just omit a couple of details. Stoker hit you pretty hard, the fairy detective said. He knocked you across the street until you slammed into a store window. When you dropped to the ground it looked like he had killed you. Okay. All right, can we move on now? I don't even know why you're bringing that back up. It was nearly a year ago. Shelley took in a deep breath, slowly. I've heard things. Bunty alluded to something a few months ago. Back when we were working that case for Dagda. But Drew, that useless wannabe druid, let it all slip earlier. Then again, I wasn't going to just take his word for it. Didn't want to think that Filthy Henry the great fairy detective, would keep such a thing from his only real friend in the world. So once again, what happened? There was no hiding it this time. As soon as the spell intensified, Filthy Henry clutched his right forearm tightly, trying to somehow squeeze the pain away. He gritted his teeth, cursing the sea under his breath. She had never displayed magic of this kind in the past. Known throughout Ireland as the best healer, Bunty Dooley rarely used her magic to cause harm. It somewhat tarnished a person's reputation in one school of magic if you went around displaying an aptitude for spells on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. Even worse, still nothing was working. Filthy Henry tried a little light healing magic on his arm, but Bunty's spell just grew stronger until he stopped. Rubbing the area quickly only caused the discomfort to spread. The pain was making it hard to bend the truth. At that moment, the fairy detective didn't think he could have lied about his own age. Dagda above, he said through clenched teeth. There are dogs dropping bones faster than you. What do you mean? 
Don't. Don't say another word. I can't take another twist of this bloody thing. You died, all right. Stoker killed you without a second thought. He killed you to get at me. An eerie silence fell. Like when a classroom full of unsupervised students suddenly falls quiet for no reason. Shelley just looked at the fairy detective. On the ground, Cahill let out a little groan, which Filthy Henry felt was rude timing on the man's part. For how long? Shelley asked, after what seemed like an age. Bunty's spell did not lessen its hold at all. Presumably, she had cast it with a little more intent than just to get the fairy detective to be honest for once. He feared that it would not end until Shelley was completely satisfied with his explanation. Truthfully, I don't know, the fairy detective said. When I saw you die, I just got angry. I tapped into some well of magic, a buried source of some sort, that I can't access again no matter how hard I try. I used it to punish Stoker. It could have been only a few minutes. I kind of lost track of time while I smashed the vampire's face in. So Leprechaun didn't shaft you on payment. He did give you a wish. Filthy Henry nodded. He knew exactly how Shelley's thoughts were going at that moment. When they had first met, the fairy detective had been working a case for the King of the Leprechauns. The payment was for a single wish to be granted by Leprechaun, the current Leprechaun King. In the stories, nobody ever explained that a Leprechaun's wish did not conjure stuff out of thin air. Rather, they bent reality around the person, making the wish. People, being predictable creatures, generally asked for the same three things. Wealth, health and the love of somebody down the road. They never truly tested just how much reality could be twisted. There were some limitations, but these were based on the magical strength of the leprechaun granting the wish. The king of the leprechauns, being the most powerful leprechaun, could go beyond these limits with ease, bringing people back from the dead, or turning a half-breed into a full-blood fairy, where wishes only the leprechaun king could grant. Filthy Henry had decided to do the right thing and bring Shelley back to life, giving up his shot at becoming a full-blood fairy. No, he didn't, the fairy detective said, bowing his head. I used my wish to bring you back. Leprechaun made a slight mistake, though. Let me guess. You don't provide my fairy sight anymore, Shelley said, matter-of-factly. That's why the artifact attacked me. I've got magic in my blood now. He nodded. His mind was racing. This was a big secret to have kept from somebody considered an associate. Possibly even a friend. There was no coming back from it. You could sort of be forgiven for not telling a person their cat died. It was a different story when you do not tell them that they died. Worse still, that they had died and then been brought back with minor enhancements, making them slightly more than human. It definitely did not help a fairy detective's case when the person who had died was also the person you lied to about their cat dying. This only compounded the problem if nothing else. Set a precedent of sorts. While Shelley was irritating and had a tendency to embarrass him around other fairy creatures, she was a good person. She kept Filthy Henry in line from time to time and figured out bits of their cases that he himself would have dismissed as unimportant. There was no doubt that this secret would only result in one course of action from her unless a little magic was employed to make her forget. Magic which he should have cast the moment this conversation started. Discreetly, 
Filthy Henry started to slowly conjure a short-term memory wipe and tried to ignore the pain in his forearm. Don't even think about it, Shelley said. The fairy detective looked at her and saw she had turned on her fairy vision. I'm guessing that's a memory spell of some sort you're preparing. For once, you're going to have to deal with the consequences of your actions. I'll see you back at the house. I need to think. With that, Shelley picked up the silver hurley stick with her scarf-wrapped hand and marched through the forest, leaving filthy Henry and Cahill behind. Well, Cahill said from his place on the ground, that was awkward. I guess I'll just walk back by myself. Filthy Henry flicked Cahill in the forehead, releasing the short-term memory wipe in the process. Predictably enough, Farmer Murphy brought Maeve over to a slightly secluded part of the field. Secluded was being nice, if Maeve was being completely honest. Since anybody in the field would be able to see whatever happened in this little section. All the area provided was cover from the road, due to the hedges that acted as a border around the field. There was an old oak tree growing in this corner, which the farmer guided Maeve towards. He cupped the queen in the small of her back and lowered her to the ground gently resting Maeve's head on a large root protruding up from the grass and dirt. Maeve tried her best not to smile. From this position, the knife tucked into her jeans was completely obscured, but easily reachable. It was almost like the idiot had read her mind and decided the best course of action was just to be killed swiftly. So, what are we talking here? Do I need to get a little foreplay going? Or are you a straight down to business lady? Without the cuddle afterwards. Maeve smiled coyly. Very shortly this man of limited imagination would be watching his blood pour out onto the grass. She slowly brought her left hand underneath her, sliding it towards the knife handle, all the while trying to make the movement seem enticing. Maybe we can start with a cuddle, Maeve said with a cheeky smile. Farmer Murphy grinned like a cat who'd gotten the cream. He started to slowly pull off his shirt. Maeve decided to strike as soon as the man had the material covering his face. Quickly she sprung upwards, knife in hand, and went to stab it directly into his chest. The world suddenly stopped. Farmer Murphy froze in place, shirt halfway up over his body. He wasn't breathing, nor moving at all. Behind him, a swallow hung in the air, clearly in mid-flight. Its wings were both pointed down, and didn't seem inclined to start moving upwards at any time soon. Yet the bird remained in place. Maeve, try as she might, could not continue moving forward with the knife. Whatever was happening to the man seemingly was affecting her as well. A long, slender hand came in from the left and slowly wrapped delicate fingers around the queen's. When the fingers had fully enclosed Maeve's hand, the knife began to dissolve, falling away like sand. After there was nothing left to hold, a young woman stepped into view, releasing the Queen's hand. She appeared to be in her twenties, with long red hair and beautiful pale skin. This is cheating, the woman said. You are now bound by the rules as much as anyone. This has been explained to you. Maeve managed to blink. As she opened her eyes again, the young woman's hair had changed to a brunette colour. The hero or at least his emissary has issued the challenge, the woman said, tilting her head to the side. You cannot work around this. For you to now gain the bull, you must win in combat. 
Do you understand? A strange sensation happened in Maeve's mouth, like a bubble popping. She felt her lips part, a small amount of control returning to her. Why? Why do I have to obey any rules? Are these rules ones governed by men? Or are they just ones that can be ignored when suited? The young woman looked at Maeve, pondering the question. These are the rules of the world, she answered, used to ensure all magical creatures and those involved with magic do not abuse their position. As you are currently under a spell effect, you are subject to these rules as well. I don't accept that, Maeve said. Acceptance is not required for understanding, the woman said. Outside forces will always intervene if required. I am here to explain this to you to ensure that you do not try anything further which would cause issues later. Please consider this a friendly but extremely firm warning. Another blink, another change of hair colour, this time to a light blonde. It was a lovely trick to watch. One Maeve would have appreciated more if the woman had not been interfering with her plans. You think that I can only kill with a blade? I could strangle him just as easily and still take the bull. The woman smiled, possibly the saddest smile Maeve had ever seen. Your attempt would fail. You would not kill him, only anger him. He would then in turn fight back, hurting you in a much more fatal manner. Thus magic itself would be ensuring that the hero protected the bull by the simple act of removing you from the world. Maeve sighed. So my men have to do the single combat with Cahill. Is that what you're telling me? Only one person attacking him at a time. The young woman nodded her head, her hair colour changing once more to red in the blink of an eye. Maeve kept a smile from showing on her face. Whoever this enforcer of the magical rules was, she had just confirmed that Trug's definition of single combat was allowed. Fine, the Queen said. I will play by these rules that seem to just get made up on the spot, exactly as we've just agreed to them right now. No more than one person attempting to hit Cahill Cullen at any given time. But on one condition. You're in no position to barter, the young woman said. You are fully in the wrong, both in time and in moral terms. What is this request you wish to make? The queen looked at the frozen man before her, with his shirt pulled halfway up to reveal more belly fat than a man had a right to. I get to leave this field before you unfreeze this farmer. It would seem there's no point going any further with this ruse. The woman looked over at Farmer Murphy, her face an expressionless mask, as if Maeve's request was completely immaterial to her. Very well. You may leave before he's woken, upon which you will have no memory of the last fifteen minutes. Maeve smiled. Oh, I think I could grow to like you. You do know that if I manage to get my hands on both bulls, I will be using magic to reshape the land as I see fit. Is that not in direct violation of the rules? You will have gained that power by playing by the rules, the woman said. Even though, technically, you broke them to begin with in order to be in this time. They are, shall we say, tricky things to fully understand. And their interpretation can adjust depending on a situation. There was a shimmer of light that obscured the young lady for a moment. When it stopped she had disappeared and Maeve found she could move again. Not wanting to pass up an opportune moment she turned to face the farmer.
she placed both hands on his shoulders and with all the force she could muster, brought her left knee up hard and fast so that it struck him in the groin. Farmer Murphy didn't react at all. Maeve dusted off her clothes and walked towards the gate which led out of the field. She pulled the metal barrier shut behind her and stepped out onto the road. As the lock clicked on the gatepost, an inhuman roar of pain ripped through the countryside. The roar of a man who'd just been hit very hard in the testicles. Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend is a novel by Derek Power. More Filthy Henry novels are available to buy on Amazon Kindle. Narration and music by Niall Milton. To keep up to date with episodes this season, why not subscribe or like or share? We'd really appreciate it.